0: Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. You can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Well, happy Easter, everyone. Easter, it's my favorite. It really is. I love Easter. I love celebrating Easter. I love the message of Easter. as a Jesus follower it's all about this new life a new beginning a restoration and i love to celebrate that but for some of us maybe we think about easter in a different way it, it isn't about connected to some you know jewish guy in the first century you, you're just looking at your life today and maybe maybe for you you're not much of a churchy type of person right Do you maybe you're consider yourself an unchurched person or a dechurched person or a I've been burned by church person right yeah. maybe maybe that's how you see it and so easter for you maybe is like about spring it's about spring it's about flowers and about butterflies and warmer weather i mean i don't know where spring is today but that's what it looks like for you that's that's what Easter is, or maybe Easter is about chocolate bunnies and baskets of candy and giving of gifts. Maybe it's about getting dressed up and coming together and singing some songs, and that's what I, I love about it, because it seems like it's like a big old party that we're throwing together. We get reacquainted with old friends, or maybe we're making some new friendships that people have taken a risk to come and be a part of this group. And that's, that's Easter. But if we really think about what Easter is all about, what makes it a big old party? What makes it worth celebrating and taking the risk of getting together with people that you're not very familiar with and singing some songs that perhaps you don't know that well? You take that risk of exposing yourself to other people and around them and what are they going to think of me, Right? Maybe they know me in my past life, and are they going to be judging me? But you, you're going to do that because you want to put yourself there. What's worth it? What's worth this big old party? Well, I love Easter, and I love the story of Easter, and it's my favorite story to tell. So if you don't mind, I'd love to tell the story of Easter. And like any good story, we've got to back up and start from the beginning not starting where this Jewish guy in the first century, but what led up to that moment. So let's start at the very beginning. We learn about this spiritual being. We call that spiritual being God. And there's other spiritual beings, but there are no spiritual beings like this spiritual being. This spiritual being is creating the whole heavens and all of the earth. And that is the spiritual realm and the earthly physical realm. creating those things, and then filling those things with good things. And all along the way, while this God is creating these things, he keeps saying, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. And when he comes to creating human beings, he says, I want these human beings to be like me. I want these human beings to partner with me and we're going to together rule over all this good creation together. And then God says, ah, they're very good. They're very good. And they're so good that God plants this garden and he places these human beings in this garden. And this garden, it's like a big party. They're they're able to be there with God and talk with God. Heaven and earth have come together in this perfect place. And there's so much food there that it's just like falling into their laps. They just grab it from any of the trees that they can just reach out and touch to. In fact, that's what God says, yeah, go ahead. Welcome to my party. Enjoy all this food, all that you can eat, because we're going to do some good things together. I can't wait. He said, well, there's one thing that, that isn't going to be good for you. See, there's, there's this one tree. There's just one tree that I'd like you to not eat from that one. Okay, don't, don't take any fruit from that. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. And I don't want you to take from that one. And, and I know for, for, for me and for you, you might be thinking, oh, well, what would be so bad about having this knowledge of good and bad. Well, that's exactly where this other spiritual being comes in to this garden and starts talking with the humans. And he's pretty smart. He's very cunning and is able to trick them into going like, you know, I think God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to take from that tree because then you're going to be like him and have all this knowledge of good and bad. But that's that's really not what God said. See, it wasn't about God holding out on them. He was just saying, I know that you are going to need this knowledge of good and bad to help rule with me, but don't go to a tree. Come to me. Come to me. Get, get what's good for me. I will interpret what's good because I've created all the things that are good. Ah, that, that other spiritual being, the, the lesser spiritual being, was able to trick them. And they decided, oh, you know what? Having that knowledge on our own, apart from God, well, that seems good to us. So they took it, and they ate it. And that really revealed something about them. They failed. They failed this first thing. They failed not just, you know, being with God or, connecting with God. They, they failed at partnering with God. They decided that they were going to do this on their own. That's the first failure that they experienced. They failed at being the people, the human beings God created them to be. And that led to something else. It led to a, an emotion, a feeling that they never experienced before. For the first time, they experienced shame. And it was a huge weight It was just a sick feeling in the pit of them. And they couldn't get rid of it. They couldn't, no matter what they did, they could not get rid of this feeling because they they failed and that made them feel shame and they couldn't get rid of the shame feeling. So the best that they could do was just cover it up. Maybe we can just hide the shame. We can ignore the failure and hide the shame. But Those two things, failure that led to shame, well, it brought about loss. Now they are going to lose something. Yes, definitely that partnership with God, definitely being able to be in this garden with all of this good stuff. But they've also lost something greater than that. They lost what could have been. This could have been wonderful. This could have been good and they lost that, the failure, shame, loss. It brought death. This garden turned into their grave. That's what that cycle does, and that's the cycle that you're gonna see throughout the Bible over and over and over again. Failure, shame, loss, repeat. And you know what? That's the one way that we connect with this whole story, isn't it? Our failure, our shame, our loss repeat over and over and over again. And what do we do when we experience those things? Well, we try to make it better, right? It seems good in our own eyes that instead of you know, admitting that we failed... We'll just smooth it over. We'll ignore that we've ever done anything wrong. I mean, other people do wrong things. And let's point at that. Let's identify those things. But we're just going to ignore the fact that we failed. Failed at even being the person that we think is the good person to be. And there's a refrain that's going to start happening. "If, If only, if only, if only because that failure is going to get us to dwell in the shame and we experience shame and this feeling and we can't get rid of it so we just stuff it down we just hide it we don't address it it's just not there but yet we always feel it when we remember the failure the failure leads to shame and then the loss that's, again, the if-only comes in with the loss. We've lost something. We lost just what we could have been. I could have been a better parent. I could have been a, a better spouse. I could have been a better student, a better child. I could have been a better boss. I could have been a better employee. I could have been if I hadn't failed. And I wouldn't feel this shame. And I wouldn't have experienced this loss. If only, if only. If only. And that's what happens to us, isn't it? We, we have those things that we say over and over. If only. If only I had thought before I spoke. If only I had, I had waited to get pregnant. If only I had put in more effort in school. If only I said I don't instead of I do. If only. But the good news is that that's not where we stay. Easter reverses that. Easter restores us into who we're intended to be. Easter releases us from the power of this stuff. But how does it work? right? How does that all come together? What what does it look like? Well, let me introduce you to Mary Magdalene. She was a woman that definitely experienced spiritual beings. She had seven bad spiritual beings controlling her, and she met a man, Jesus, who taught in such a powerful way. She needed to follow him wherever he went, and he was powerful not only in the things that he said, but He was powerful over these spiritual beings. He cast them out of her. And experiencing these spiritual beings that are are controlling her brought a life that looked like she was a failure as a human being. That, That she carried this weight of shame around with her. And she had experienced a great loss of what she could have been. But when she would listen to Jesus, when Jesus, would work in her life, she was released from that shame. She was restored to the person God intended her to be. She, the whole life cycle of failure, shame, and loss, it was reversed. It was undone. And she would follow this Jesus anywhere, and she followed him everywhere, everywhere. She would raise money to support him and she would be there throughout his life and she would even be there at his death and then she would go to his grave. Jesus was all she had. And so she clung on to Jesus. She hung on to him. She couldn't lose that. And on Easter morning, well, it wasn't happy like you and I experience it, It was very sad for her. She was grieving in her loss as she went to visit Jesus' grave. And she went to Jesus' grave to mourn him, to have a place where maybe she could make sense of her life. Now with Jesus being gone, it was the only thing she could hang on to. And she gets to Jesus' grave and he's not there. Now, that didn't cause her to feel joy. She was completely dismayed. She runs and tells some other Jesus followers, and they run back out to the grave, and they go in and they look inside the grave, and they're like, oh my goodness, what he said really happened. He's alive again. They never saw him, but they just made sense of it. But for Mary, the empty grave wasn't going to do it for her. In fact, encountering spiritual beings wasn't going to do it for her. Only Jesus. Meeting Jesus was going to do something for her, was going to help her. And that's exactly where we have it in John chapter 20. You can follow along on the screens or you can open up your Bibles if you so choose. John chapter 20, starting in verse 11, we have Mary she was standing outside the tomb, the grave, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed spiritual beings. We call them angels. And one was sitting at the head and at the other at the foot, at the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary? Teacher! Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Did you see the reversal happen? Well, maybe not. She went to the the grave mourning and loss, seeking the one person that could reverse everything for her, the one person that had restored her life, the one person that could release her from the power of the shame that she carried. And he wasn't there. She went in and looked, and there are two spiritual beings there. That wasn't enough she went back outside in a garden mind you thinking the gardener was there she just needed jesus body she didn't even recognize that it was jesus didn't even enter into her mind that jesus could be walking around the garden with a human being do you hearing it they're in this garden together walking together once again. And what does Jesus do? What reverses the thing for her? He calls out her name, Mary. He knows her intimately. He knows her personally. It's a personal invitation for her to see who he is and what he has done. She is the only one to have seen Jesus at this point. The other two disciples, they went in, they didn't see it. Mary got to see it, and it changed everything for her. That's what celebrating Easter is all about. Now there's a party in the garden for Mary. She's no longer grieving anymore, is she? And that's the thing for you and for me. Like The the shame and the failure and, and the loss, it doesn't have to stay that way. It can be reversed. You can be restored. You can be released from the weight of all of that. Imagine what life would be like if you could admit your failures and feel no shame. Imagine what your life would be like if shame had no longer had this power over you and you just wanted to hide from everyone. Imagine if The things that you could let go of, that you could lose, actually becomes a gain. See, with Jesus' resurrection, in the garden with a human being, once again, heaven and earth coming together, failure is not final. Shame is nothing to be ashamed of. Loss is pain. That's the story of Easter. He reverses everything. so how about you and how about me our failure right failures the bad decision that seemed right at the time the wrong relationship that felt so right the words you wish you could take back it's not final that failure is not final about the shame, the, the, the weight of shame that you carry around because of the failure to even live up to your own standards, let alone maybe God's standards. What, what do we do with that? How are you covering it up? How are you hiding from it? Putting on that fake smile? Everything's fine. Everything's good. If I just think, keep saying that, don't have to worry about it, but i still got this huge, awful weight of shame that I'm carrying around. I don't know what to do about it, so I'm just going to put on a smiley face. Perhaps uh, looking perfect. Maybe in maybe appearance, but uh, also in career and family and all of that. Anybody saw behind closed doors, they'd realize, man, I'm failing at this, and I'm carrying this shame. So you just hide it behind this perfect facade. Maybe that's what we do with our shame. What about loss? What are we clinging on to that if we let go of it, we don't just know we're going to lose everything? Maybe we're hanging on to comfort. Maybe we're hanging on to it, clinging to our own control of our life, just like Mary was clinging on to the body of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Don't, don't hang on to that. Let go of that. It's going to be your gain. You're going to gain a whole new life. Here's the good news about Easter, and that's what I love about Easter, is that you get to walk in the garden with Jesus. You are invited back into the place where it all began, and he calls out your name. And he says, come and walk with me. And you remember how God was the one to interpret what was good? Well, that's the invitation. Jesus is inviting you to say, if you can trust me with your life and what I interpret as good for your life, then everything is reversed. Failure is not final. Shame is nothing to be ashamed of. Loss is actually gain. And you're invited into that. Isn't that good news? You don't have to carry this around anymore. You're released from the weight of shame. You're restored to the human being that God intended for you to be from the very beginning, all because Jesus is alive. So here's the deal. It's not just that Jesus does that for you. He he turns this grave of a life that you live into a garden where you can walk with him. But he's the only one that can. He is the only one that can. So I invite you. I invite you to take that step forward to say I'm going to trust Jesus' interpretation of good for my life from here on forward. To experience a life where failure is not final, shame is nothing to be ashamed of, and loss becomes my gain. Will you take that step? Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for, for your life, your death, and for your resurrected life, that it reverses everything. It releases us from the shame that we carry. We're no longer controlled by the power of shame, but we are restored into your image. God, we ask that you would give us your good life, as we trust your interpretation of what is good. Jesus, it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives, and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecov.com. Thanks for listening.